This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Rick Carlson. He's the founder and CEO of SharpSpring on the NASDAQ. That's SHSP. It's a next generation marketing automation platform. In his 20 year career, he's held numerous sales, marketing, and product roles for internet companies and is considered an expert at sales and marketing. Rick, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. I've had an extra dose of caffeine, so I'm hoping I can keep up with you. Let's get started. <laughs> Very good. Tell us first off what the company does and what's your revenue model? How do you make money? Sure. Um, well, we're a SaaS business. Uh, obviously, we're a marketing automation company. And what makes us kind of unique is that we license our platform uh, to digital marketing agencies. So these are businesses that help other businesses with their sales and marketing. And uh, I think we're the, we're the only company in the, in the world, really, that's doing this. Um, there's certainly companies like HubSpot and Marketo and, and so forth that are competitors of ours and that are um, working with agencies, but we've really built our whole business around agencies. It's about 90% of our revenue. And what we do is we license them our platform. They put their clients on the platform and uh, and deliver results, ge- generate leads and, and, uh, and convert those leads into sales for their clients. And give us a sense of size. Where are you, where are you today in terms of ARR? Sure. Uh, this year we're somewhere around, uh, you know, 13, 14 million dollars. Um, we don't really, and, and we've been growing about 50%, little, little north of 50% on our core, core business and, uh, have been doing that since we started. We don't see any, any reason why that would slow down. What year was launch date? You know, we're late to the game. Uh, so everybody we compete with has had about an eight year head start on us. We're less than four years to market. And so okay. we've really been growing very, very fast. We so have that would about, be what, 2013 is launch date? Uh, uh, losing track of time, 14, uh, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, 14. Uh, January uh, 2014 is when we launched our product and had essentially zero customers. Today, we're the number two company amongst digital marketing agencies. We've got about 1,400 uh, agencies around the world and about 6,500 businesses on the platform. 6,500 paying companies or those companies are under the 1,400 agencies? Well, they're under the 1,400 agencies, but essentially each one of them is paying since they're kind of paying for a license on the platform. Got it. Um, But whose actual credit card do you guys take? Is it the agency or the... That's right. Yeah, we license the agency, the platform. Uh, They get a... they get the ability to put their customers on the platform. And depending on how many customers they have, that uh, that that sums up to their bill yep. for, to us. But yeah, we're charging the agencies. The agencies actually, in turn, uh, can charge their clients, frankly, whatever they want. And so we really allow a lot of flexibility. We're not really a reseller model in the traditional sense. Um, we don't even think about our agency partners as kind of a, a reseller channel. What's um, the, what, what would you say the average agency is paying you per month? Oh, um, you know, it, 
that's it's funny because we looked so much at cohorts. It's probably difficult for me to uh, tell you that, but it's uh, you know pretty easy math: thirteen, fourteen million divided by fourteen hundred customers. What is that? Call it a thousand bucks a month or something. Yep, it comes out to about well, about eight hundred and thirty bucks per month uh, if you're doing uh, about fourteen million today. I'm going to pretend that you used a calculator to come up with that at the top uh, off the top of your head. That's right. But, uh, <laughs> I do a lot of these. I do a lot of these back to back. All right. Very good. Um, so just to, and help us understand. Again, I want to make sure I get growth rate right. So like last month, in other words, you're doing over one point one six million in monthly recurring revenue, which puts you at a fourteen million dollar run rate. What were you at in December of 2016? So about a year ago. Oh gosh, you're asking me, um, you know, off the off the top of my head. I actually, I don't think I could, I, I don't think I could tell you the number off the top of my head. But come on, Rick, that's like a good growth rate. Like most CEOs love that kind of stuff. They all of them know what they did in revenue a year ago because that's how you get growth. Yeah, no, that's right. I think we did. Um, we have a little bit of a complex business. We had three different business units at the time. I'm talking about oh. SharpSpring uh, right now and SharpSpring revenues, and so that's why it's a little. It's not quite off the cuff for me. I but see. We did, you know, uh, you know, we were definitely, uh, I'm going to say something like $9 million. Okay. Um, uh, or, or even a little bit less than that kind of December last year. Okay. So health, I mean, healthy growth, right? You've had about 5 million over the past 12 months in AR. That's great. Um, what, what have you, so I just want to make sure the, the sharp spring, you said you had three products. Are those other two things dead now? And it's just sharp spring or are those other two things part of the company? Yeah, no, there. Um, uh, we have a kind of a complex story, and we could go down a rabbit's hole that might bore your uh, your your uh, viewers. So I don't want to do that. But uh, we uh, actually sold our company very shortly after we launched it, rather than taking VC on. Um, and so that might be an interesting thing to talk Are about. Are you bootstrapped today? No, nothing. No, nothing raised. We- we bootstrapped the company up until that point. That's exactly right. And, uh, and then we were acquired really eight months afterwards. It was kind of the time where we had to take on VC and another company came along that was an email service provider that seemed to marry up nicely with us from a technology perspective. We ended up uh, becoming part of that company, but very quickly outgrowing it. And so the company... Um, uh, and so we ended up selling the company that acquired us and sharp as, as sharp spring, the core business that we are today out, out, uh, outgrew it. So, so we're a hundred percent marketing automation now, but that wasn't the case for the last, uh, call it two years, um, where we had a, a division that did what's called email relay, uh, an email relay service, which is just kind of core email which you delivery. Sold, right? That's correct. What that company you, was called SMTP. What did you sell that company for? Oh, I don't think we disclosed it. And so I'm not sure I, um, actually that's not true. Uh, I, I think it's uh, public. So I think I can tell you it was $15 million. Okay. And you basically saw that as a cat. That's basically your version of VC, except it's beautiful because it's non-dilutive. Correct. That's exactly right. And still exactly. besides going public still today, you, you didn't raise any outside capital up until going public, right? That's right. That's okay. exactly right. So yeah. let me ask you this question. So a lot of the CEOs I have on, you know, Ryan from from Qualtrics or the you know the SnapLogic guys, you know, they're all doing between 100 and 120 million in ARR, and that's what they say. Nathan, that's when we really start thinking about: do we go public or do we keep raising privately? You went public yeah. much earlier, right? I mean, you're do, you're public now, but you're doing about 14. And I hate to say only, but but relative to other yeah. people who have gone public, it's much much less. Why did you decide to go public with about 14 million in ARR? Yeah, so we so we didn't um, actually. The company that acquired us was a very small public company um, called S- SMTP. I was not part oh. of that. Company. They were public, and so we became part of that company 
um, ended up selling that company. And so suddenly Sharp Spring is a is a small publicly traded company, which comes with some great benefits and a lot of overhead. And uh, but it's been a hell of a ride. So it's a uh, it's it's interesting. But the, but yeah, we didn't go public in the traditional sense, but we are we are public and listed on the NASDAQ and so forth. One of the things that have about having a market cap that's, you know, in the 30 million range is where you guys are. I mean, people can, somebody could, if they liked your space and liked your product, really just buy into the company and start actually getting control and making changes. Have you had to deal with anything like that? Or, or have you thought about finding a private equity, you know, partner and taking it private? No, we have a pretty broad, uh, we have a pretty broad group of investors right now. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, just looking out there at, at what's public, there's no, there's not many investors, if anybody, um, I may be the single largest investor at this point, um, within the company. So nobody owns more than, you know, six, eight, 10% of the, of the company, um, no individual investor. And so, you know, we're not, uh, necessarily worried about that at all. We certainly get um, all sorts of interest in the company because of the performance of the company. We're doing pretty darn well out there and in, in, in a, a pretty interesting space. And so um, we definitely get a lot of um, of interest, but it's it's not uh, something in the sense of a, that we're worried about it from a, a hostile perspective, if that was the uh, I'm just saying, product. could somebody, so like, I'm, I'm taking this all off your public things here since it's getting a little bit sensitive, but like Morgan Stanley has about 70, 730,000, uh, shares, which is a value of about 2.5 million at the current price, which is a equate basically equates to 8.6% of the company. You, according oh. to June 1st, 2016, own about 539,000 shares. So Morgan Stanley has more than you. And then AWM and Bard, well, Bard has less, but AWM has about the same as you. I mean, if one of these, if a company like, I'm going to make this up, if a company like Vista Equity Partners, which just bought Marketo, sure. right? Said, you know what? We want to go after this company. Couldn't they just start buying the stock at the price that it's at now to get a large chunk of it and then do changes they wanted? Um, I think that that's possible. Um, I think it's highly unlikely for a lot of reasons. For for one, um, when you're dealing with companies our size, it's very difficult for you to purchase that many shares and and have it not move the needle. Um, and so it becomes potentially prohibitively expensive. But what I'd really like to believe is that any company, um, you know, companies not as uh, is is really as good as its people. And so. Um, I don't see a company like Vista or somebody like that coming in and really trying to do something like that um, without the buy-in of the management and the company itself and the team. Um, so it's just it, it becomes impractical, I think, for that reason. Um, certainly not impossible, uh, but uh, it's it's definitely not something that we worry about uh, on a daily basis. As I'm traveling the world on planes, trains, and automobiles, you know, guys hear it. I'm closing loads of different deals, whether it's buying a company, closing a new account for gitlatka.com, you name it, I've got to do it. And part of my issue is signing documents while I'm on the road. So I just found this new tool. I'm using it pretty aggressively. It's called Sign Easy. So you can get started for free at gitsigneasy.com forward slash podcast. You'll see contracts that I've signed there and and boy, oh boy, are they big and they work and the app is so easy to use. Get started today at getsigneasy.com forward slash podcast. There are burdens to being public. Like there are real administrative costs, right? That actually hit your bottom line to being public with regard to reporting and stuff. I mean, have you ever thought about the savings and the additional cash flow you could spit off by finding a PE partner and taking it private? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's something that you think about. Those costs are absolutely real. There's a lot of um, discussion with investors. Oftentimes, investors don't understand when, when we get to the point where we're talking about our CAC and LTV ratios and things that I share with you. Um, you know, there's strong arguments for investing, but then you've got longer payback periods than, than maybe a, an investor who's not very SaaS um, oriented would understand. And so in addition to just the raw dollars and, and overhead, there's there's other um, constraints or potential constraints if you're not careful about managing those to being public. So for a lot of those reasons, it's, um, you know, there's, there's uh, certainly something that you think about, but Honestly, at this point, we have a fantastic group of, of investors in the company. Um, you mentioned Morgan Stanley. There's, there's just a bunch of them uh, out there that I could name. Did you have to? Uh, did you have to kind of woo them, or did they just find you and their anal- analysts said, "Yeah, it's a good investment. Let's go." Oh, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I, I think it's a little bit of both. We've certainly met those folks. We've, we, we're we're focused on running the business, though. I'll tell you that. And so, um, so I, I certainly would. I, I wouldn't use the word woo, but we we, we definitely. If somebody's going to come in and put, uh, um, you Three know, million. two and a half, five million, whatever, they want to kind of know you and make sure that you don't have horns growing out of your forehead and, uh, you know, that that kind of thing. So. Um, uh, yeah, we, we certainly know, um, the largest, uh, a large group of our investors and are really pleased with those guys. And they kind of understand the business and know who we are. Before we wrap up with the famous five, let's wrap out some of these unit economics. What are you paying right now to acquire new customers? Yeah, we have some pretty fantastic numbers, um, in that regard. So, um, we're paying about 6,000 and our last quarterly update, we, we paid $6,100 to acquire a customer. Um, and just to get to kind of the next question, the lifetime value of our customers is north of $50,000 when we talk about our agency partners. So pretty fantastic, you know, eight times CAC to LTV ratios. And, you know, we're really excited about that. We've been doing that since we since we started. It, it allows us a lot of room to continue to grow in the future um, and really acquire, hopefully acquire customers at an even faster rate than we, than we have been. So at a $6,100 CAC and the average agency paying you about 800 bucks, 830 bucks a month, you're recovering most of your upfront investment in the first what 11 or 12 months. Yeah. Those numbers are working out pretty well for us in terms of raw dollars. That's right. But even after you discount it, um, uh, from a gross margin perspective, our, our payback periods are, are pretty darn reasonable. And, um, again, lifetime value, these agencies, they, they, they grow with us. And so, um, you know, they start out at $500, but three years later, they're paying us, you know, $1,300, $1,400 a month, $1,500 a month. Um, some of them are paying us 15000 a month. Um, and so uh, they kind of act like resellers in that way. And so the lifetime value ends up being, you know, really nice for these for these agency partners. And, um, you know, we're, we're pretty innovative in the way we, we find them. And uh, that leads to the uh, CAC to LTV ratios. Um, what does churn what does churn look like today? Yeah, sure. On a, um, on a, there's a couple different ways, as you, as you well know, to think about churn on a logo basis, we're doing, um, we're well south of 3%, um, churn on a monthly, uh, a logo basis. But in our business, we only lose the agencies. Um, if an agency really kind of takes off with us and builds their business around marketing automation and is healthy, they, they just never leave, um, frankly. And so we only ever lose the agencies that are much, much smaller. So on a um, net revenue attrition basis, even though we're a pretty new company, um, we're, we're approaching um, uh, being a, 
uh, how do you say this net uh, net re- negative net revenue attrition um, or positive uh, attrition? What's what's gross dollar. what's gross revenue churn currently annually? Uh, uh, how do you mean? So take so out uh, take out expansion revenue. Uh, oh, um, well, it's mostly expansion revenue. Um, so I would call that uh, okay. So that would be we'd probably lose. Let me uh, let me think about that. Fifteen thousand. Yeah, while eighty thousand dollars a year, um, if you're talking about. Um, sorry, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm uh, not. While while work is thinking about that, guys, what I'm trying to understand is they're doing a great job upselling folks because they're a net negative revenue churn. But when you ask a question like, "What's gross revenue churn?" What that allows you to do is understand, ignoring their great ability to upsell. If they have a hundred grand in revenue at the beginning of the year, what does that go down to by the end of the year without including any upsells? So that's the, that's my question, Rick. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, I understand. Well, first off, I, I do want to make a, a, a one distinction there. We don't upsell. Um, so, you know, these agency, well, um, I, of course, we have little tiny upsell opportunities, but our expansion revenue is based on our agencies adding more clients to the platform. Um, I, I think that's an important distinction because actually our expansion revenue is where all the magic happens. If you take a, a another marketing automation company, they might be able to expand revenue 10, 20, 30%. We have hundreds of percentage points of expansion revenue over the lifetime of our, of, of our customers. Um, uh, in terms of, in terms of, uh, uh, gross revenue, revenue, gross revenue attrition, I would say we're losing, um, you know, with, if we're losing 25 customers or 30 customers a month at, at $500, $15,000, a month in terms of just revenue attrition from the lost customers. And those are customers universally that, that don't have any expansion revenue. Yeah. So this is very, this is very little. You're doing 1.1 million yeah. a month or over that you're losing about 15 grand a month. So it's negligible. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Last two, last two questions here. Quick answers. Cause we're out of time. Uh, what's the team size today and where are you guys based? We, we got about 145, 150 people. We're based in the thriving metropolis that is Gainesville, Florida. Um, which is to say it's a little college town known for the University of Florida. So uh, uh, not so much of a thriving metropolis, but a great place to start a business. Very good. And let's wrap up here with the famous five, Rick. These are one word answers. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, gosh, um, I'm going to be say I, 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 uh, I'm going to say the lean startup, but I'm really drawn to books that are kind of about human behavior and microeconomics and things. So I like the tipping point and outliers and things that really kind of discuss how people tick. Um, but, uh, but I, I, I built the business on lean startup principles. So I'm going to have to go with that. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, sim- similar, similar answer. I don't mean to be a non-committal. I love, uh, Jeff Bezos for his, um, relentless focus, uh, you know, on long-term. I, I like, uh, Mark, uh, been off of, of Salesforce for his social activism and of course, Steve jobs for design and product. So. I try to take a little bit of each of these great guys. And number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool for building a business? Uh, besides my own, darn it, um, PySync. Uh, I really like PySync. Uh, I don't know if you or your, your readers are familiar with that, but it's a fantastic API to API connector where you don't need a developer to connect systems like SharpSpring and CRMs and whatever. You can connect them together. They share information. Pretty fantastic tool. I love PySync. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? You know, seven, seven. Okay. Uh, seems like a good, uh, easy number to give you. And what's your situation? Married, single, do you have kids? 
I have uh, I have uh, a fantastic boy just turned nine, and I am married, and uh, they still love me. I've been married for uh, uh, oh gosh, eighteen years, something Good. like. That and how now. old are you, Rick? I am uh, forty-four. All right, last question. Take us back twenty-four years. What do you wish your twenty-year-old self knew? You know, I've I've never had uh, I've never had a problem with fear. I don't think anybody on your show has. I mean, you don't start a business if you're afraid of things. But that doesn't mean you don't stress. It doesn't mean you don't stress about um, making tough choices. And, um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more philosophical about these things. Just years of experience have shown me that even the tough things end up working out when you're looking at them, when you're looking at them in the rearview mirror. And so I would tell myself not to stress about the tough stuff because it all kind of works out. There you guys have it. Don't stress the tough stuff. It all works out. From Rick, uh, again, his company, SharpSpring, went through kind of a, a weird a process in terms of selling to another company, then growing bigger than the company, and now he's public. They're doing you know, about $14 million in ARR with their marketing automation platform, but they don't go direct to customer. They go through their 1,400 agency customers to reach about 6,500 actual business customers under those agencies. They bootstrapped the whole company, really raised no money, and the way they funded it was by selling one of their units, again, for that $15 million bucks we talked about earlier. They're at 14 million today, but just a year ago, they were about, they were at about 9 million in ARR. So healthy growth. They've got less than 3% logo churn each month. They're paying about 6,100 bucks to acquire a customer, which means they're making that money back. And their payback period is about nine months on top of that. Again, their team of 145 in Gainesville, Florida, focused on making marketing automation easier for agencies serving clients. Rick, thank you for taking us to the top. Hey, thank you. I really enjoyed it.